Welcome back to Binging the Force, a Star Wars rewatch, uh, Star Wars watch party, whatever you want to call it. Um, what we have here tonight is what you would call in television a two-hander. <laughs> um, mm. You get just two of us here. Uh, it's uh, me, Michael, uh, as almost always. And uh, with me coming out of Portland is Jefferson. Hello, everybody. Tonight we have a, a special intimate evening with Binging the Force. <laughs> Scale down that tonight. It's an incredibly dense episode. I mean, it's, it it's there's a lot to to process. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. have at least five storylines, so many characters, so many names, so many places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of new characters too that get introduced. Yeah. Yep. But uh, but yeah, it's a lot of new characters. But then everyone who's been in the show so far. So yeah, yeah, everybody has their moment. I think in this yeah. episode. I mean, I mean it's the beginning of a new cycle, our our prison cycle. So it's it's our um, it's our uh, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> arguably the most compelling of the the storylines that run through this season. I think yeah. was the the story that I enjoyed the most. Yeah, the, yeah, it captured a lot of people and launched a lot of cosplay. Mm-hmm. yes i'm sure it did i think we talked earlier yeah i've been to multiple events where where like people have, have organized hordes of people in the prison uniforms mm-hmm. that's great yeah there was when i did the the star cruiser at disney world there was one guy on the first night who had the the prison pajamas that was his, his outfit yeah. for that day yeah, at our biggest con here in Denver last summer in July, I think we had easily up to, it had to be several dozen uh, upwards of 100 people doing it. <laughs> I would love to see that. I, yeah, don't, like, I don't get too many conventions anymore. but Yeah, like parading through the convention center, <laughs> like all in the prison uniforms, all on program, a phrase which we'll be very, very familiar with for the next several weeks of this show. <laughs> right, we will. And we'll Being we'll on program. As we go, but yeah, I a, there's a lot to to discuss with this all the stuff they introduce in this episode well let's get a go ahead and get going with it. um this is uh episode uh eight of of andor uh narkina five um oh i, I was going to mention there is some star wars news um they have not started shooting andor season two again but they will um you know that definitely is coming but what they did announce was a brand new movie which was a huge surprise announcement like you know lucasfilm or disney tends to make star wars announcements at big events this one was not tied to anything it just kind of happened just all of a sudden out of nowhere there was a press release that that uh, John uh, Favreau is going to be directing a, a Mandalorian and Grogu feature film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, they didn't confirm whether it was in lieu of a season four or not, but it seemed like it was in lieu of a season four. Um, but they did say that this is a new movie in addition to the Ray film and the the uh, the Ray film. The uh, the film that's being done that's about kind of the dawn of the Jedi, the beginnings of the Jedi, um, and in addition to Dave Filoni's film that is combining all all the disparate kind of stories, you know, in in the in the current post uh, Return of the Jedi timeline, um, the, uh, the Star Wars Avengers. Yeah, but it, it, this is in addition to uh, his his second season of Ahsoka, which had not previously been confirmed or discussed. Mm-hmm. So. He is currently working on scripts, and I would guess that he probably worked on scripts during the uh, during the strike. Because I mean, you know, he 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 and John Favreau are are writers, directors 
actors and producers. Um, they're in multiple guilds, but, but there is nothing stopping Dave Filoni from, you know, sitting there during the writer's strike, sitting there and writing scripts for something that he was going to be doing later on. So sure. Sure. It, the only just, thing they, they just couldn't be paying him for it. <laughs> right. The only thing that gives me pause about this announcement is how many Star Wars movies have been announced over the last four or five years and how many have we actually seen? How many have even started production? Yeah, and a lot of I, I've also heard a lot of that response online, but they didn't have John Favreau or Dave Filoni involved. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'll still believe it when I see it, I guess, at yeah. this point, because it seems like Disney frequently puts the cart before the horse with these Star Wars announcements lately. So, yeah, we'll see. Let's see. I mean, I'm, I, I'm happy to see it. I'm, I was excited about the Ray movie, which I had read was is now on hold, apparently. Because uh, yeah, apparently Disney doesn't like the script and the writer doesn't want to change it. So gotcha. The textbook yeah. got creative differences there. I but mean, I, that that's, stuff, so yeah, that, that's that kind of stuff does happen all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and jump into uh, Andor season one. The only one we've got so far, episode mm -hmm. eight, Narkina five. Here we go. Okay, we've got our logo, Andor. <laughs> mm -hmm. You've cut in that valuable lead-in time, though. That yes, made. yes, I didn't give us our, our recap. <laughs> That's all right. So here we are. Where are we? Here, oh, here we are uh, uh, being led into uh, the prison. He's still insisting that he's innocent, of course, which right. the, of course, the tragedy is that in this of the crime he's been co convicted of, he is innocent. Right. He lit he literally was arrested for loitering. I yeah. mean, he, Not he even wasn't that. doing anything. He was a tourist. He he wasn't attacking mm -hmm. anyone. He wasn't doing right. anything. He literally got arrested for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he got six years for it. Yeah. And and in the recap, they did yeah, say he that, was arrested that there was... for Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was um he was uh literally arrested for looking shifty. Yeah. Yeah, but in 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 the trial where he got six years, they did say there were some new rules involved. So there were yeah. some new sentencing. Yeah, the empire cracking down. Sure. Here's uh here's our other. I'm. I hesitate to call Cyril a villain. No, but I I would say that he's playing Pong. However. Yeah, he might be playing Pong or <laughs> Galaga or something. But yeah, whatever he's the. Um, we we know that he's he's playing his Javert role here for those who get Le Miserable references. Right. Um, <laughs> you know he he is searching for you know Andor. I mean he's obsessed with it for for clearing his mm -hmm. name for for having a bad reputation for basically what what rent what rent down on Ferrex. So yeah, he's doing what a lot of miserable people do is that he is he's attached all of his misery. He's kind of yeah. pinned it on this thing that he's he can only. Yeah, if he can only catch Cassian, yep. all of his problems will just melt away and everything will be great. So a key point here is the they put the prisoners on a transport. They were they were distributing all the prisoners to different locations based on where they were from, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. So he gave them a fake name, gave them a fake planet based on the identification <laughs> he had, you know, for the pleasure planet that he was on. So they routed him. But the the key thing there is they made everyone take off their shoes and socks. Right. <laughs> And here we have so now, um, two of our storylines have converged. <laughs> sure. 
Here we have what I strongly believe is the beginning of a romance for the ages. <laughs> I don't know. From Miro's side, she she doesn't seem to be into it, but <laughs> it doesn't seem like it now. But but but, but I think we're guessing that Miro has layers. <laughs> yes, yes, I think I think she does, and I think that's what's one of the things that's so great about the show is everybody has layers. Yep. You know, we're yeah. I mean, the thing is, it, it from from the two of their standpoints, it's a much more important thing to Cyril than it is to her. For sure. her, she's simply trying to use him to extract enough information to move forward one space, you know, in, in the game that she's playing, which is right. basically getting to Luther. I mean, she mm -hmm. she she knows that 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 this the, this player is out there trying to put pieces together for a rebellion and she she is on the scent of it mm -hmm. and she knows that that cassian andor and and you know somehow is attached to it you know and he right. and he's tied to that because he's been using his job his middle management job in the in the kind of records bureau or whatever to try to find information about cassian andor and and so she noticed him doing that so that brought him to her attention right and so but they I mean, both kind of good they kind of both want the same thing. They do, but, but they're coming at it from completely yeah. different perspectives. There's a very significant power dynamic here. He is nobody. <laughs> right, exactly. She is clearly not impressed by him at all. Yeah, he he is a flea and uh, you know, she is ISB, you know, and she, and she has now been put in charge of the entire sector around Ferrix specifically to try to you know, get to the root of some of the problems here, you know, because she she feels she's on the track. She's she's made enough of an argument to convince her superior, you know, but Cyril is like a flea on that. But 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 he, but he is essential to her at this particular moment. She needs something for him. And and they did show that, like, she does get annoyed sometimes at the bureaucracy because right. He didn't he wasn't given enough information to be useful to her. And so now she has just told her people to give him the information that once he sees the information can make him helpful to her. Yeah. Additionally, I think with 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 Mira, she she's somebody who acts. She's a true believer. She actually yeah. wants to funk. She wants to accomplish things, which is anyone who's worked in a bureaucracy knows that that's basically impossible. In a bureaucracy. Most <laughs> yeah, people they, who they beat that out of you very quickly. Yeah, most people who work in a bureaucracy don't want to do any work. That's why they're in a. That's what sustains the bureaucracy yeah. is all these people who just sit at terminals and don't do anything and look yeah. busy. And that's what they all want. So of course, all of her coworkers hate her because she's sort of shining a light on how ineffective they all are. Well, and here and we we see that bureaucracy at work here, which is you know yeah. she's giving her impassioned and i use the word impassioned literally in air quotes because mm -hmm. <laughs> passion is not something that occurs at this table you know no. but but, no. but she's she's given her emphatic report about you know how cassian andor is key that because the stolen piece of technology that he was trying to sell to luthan on ferrix kind of ties things together that this this ties andor as someone who knows about this potential you know person uh, who she's calling Axis as basically saying that it's an Axis, a connecting piece to the rebellion and saying that if we find Cassian Andor, we find Axis. If we find Axis, we can start, we can crush the rebe rebellion, you know? Mm -hmm. right. It's interesting to me too, watching this right now, noticing how rapidly they're cutting between Miro and, and Andor. Yeah. you know um we more more so than they usually do like it seems like we we barely get a chance to finish a thought about miro when they cut to andor and we're still talking about they're cutting back and forth between the storylines really rapidly which i think yeah. is interesting mm -hmm. 
because as you said there, this is the point at which the stories kind of converge in a weird way. Because Well, some of them, hers and Cyril's yeah. definitely did. I mean, yeah. And even theirs with Andor's because they're talking about Andor, all the, yeah. everybody in the scenes at, on Coruscant, they're all talking about Andor, and then we're cutting to well, what's Andor doing? He's well, and and that's that's your your pure example of the, of the bureaucracy at work here is the fact that yeah. like pretty much the pivotal, most important man in the galaxy right now that everyone is searching for is sitting there on Narkina Five in prison yeah. under a new yeah. name, and the bureaucracy is is full of such red tape that they don't even have a way of of identifying his his sure. face to say like you know you would think that there'd be some record in in the prison record to, to match up those faces but they don't have that you know <laughs> yeah, clearly they don't have facial recognition right software. yeah there's definitely a which, left hand right hand third hand fourth hand kind of thing going on yeah here. which i mean it's fun because it's still even now the world of star wars it, it's a futuristic world as imagined in the 1970s right mm -hmm. and so they don't have a lot of things that we have in 2024 which you would think that a high-tech civilization would have yeah, based yeah. on our high-tech civilization. So theirs is still, it's a futuristic civilization, but it's using things that existed in the 70s as its base. And not and only that, kind of I mean, the, go ahead. It's kind of the same thing about like when you watch um, Alien, the original Alien, it's supposed mm -hmm. to be in the future, but it's still CRT right. screens and, <laughs> and all of that. And I like that. I think that's fun. I like that they're, they're keeping this version of the star wars universe consistent with the version that they showed us in that first film in in 1977 i think it's not even that the narkina 5 goes beyond going back to star wars of 1977 the aesthetic here is pure thx 1138 yeah yeah, you know, which is going back too. even further to george lucas's first feature mm -hmm. film which was like what 1969 i believe <laughs> right and this so here in this scene the the warden is is explaining the lay of the land of the prisoners. Yep. And this he explains why, why, why we don't have weapons, why we don't have to have yeah. guns to shoot you with is because, and why we made you take your shoes off is because at any time we press a button and, and the floor becomes your pain. <laughs> right. And it's from looking at it in universe, looking at the story of it, it's so brilliant and so terrifying. This is such a brilliant idea for how to run a prison. You, but it's a prison, which is horrifying. Yeah. But you know, you. Well, it's you really not. It's, it's really not a. It's really not a prison. It's a factory with conscripted yeah, workers, basically. Exactly. But that's so brilliant too, because once you remove the idea that that their human rights mean anything. Yeah. You you have an electric floor, and you make them all take their shoes off. With that in itself, not letting them wear shoes strips away a lot of dehumanizing. Yeah, that's dehumanizing to begin with. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so now, because of that, that's also practical because that enables the electric floor, which means well, you don't and, need and it enables them to run it with such such few people. I mean, it it really helps yeah. set up this dynamic where how do you have this factory with workers who are forced to be there? How do you keep it operating? And 
as with everything with the empires we've seen everything is to cut costs you know we've we've talked about right. contractors and the lowest common bidder you know, and all that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff you know, and, and stuff being done at the, at the lowest dollar cost you know like how do they run you know the factories to produce whatever it is they're producing whatever widget that they're producing which we will find out in several episodes but we won't go there yet right. but you know they're, they're they're building widgets you know they're they're building sprockets you know and how are they doing that with this many prisoners as workers with as few guards as they have and no weapons you know mm -hmm. and, and it's brilliant the way it's all set up because they they work them 12 hours a day so they're too exhausted to think about trying to escape anyway right. mm -hmm. and um we we haven't we we get introduced to this concept a, li a little bit later but the way they motivate them is via competition Right. So they make them compete with each other with yep. a negative outcome for the loser. So it's exactly. not that the winner gets a reward; it's that the loser gets a, a punishment. They do, but it's but the but the reward the punishment far outstrips the reward. Yeah, exactly. They're not. <laughs> nobody's playing for first place. They're all playing for not last place. True. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so this this, scene, this scene kind of follows up on the dynamic there, where she now has gotten the piece of information she needs from him. Which yeah, and see, look of, at that. This is love at first sight, right here. This is <laughs> maybe, but 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 it's really disdain at at, at first yeah. sight, which is what's for happening. her. Yeah. Like he he no. makes a big full court press, a pitch to say, "Here's how I could be useful to you." You know, I was really good at my job, just in a bad situation. I got screwed because of you know what happened with Andor and what happened with Ferrex. But I was really good at my job. I could be really useful to you. I could be really uh, useful to the Empire. And she's like, "You're a flea." You know, yeah. and and she's yeah, she's not having it. And in her defense, we have been given absolutely no evidence that he is actually good at his job. No, <laughs> we've given a no, been given a lot of evidence that he's not. Well, because frankly, there there is an Imperial Academy. We know that we've seen we've seen people right. go to the Imperial Flight School. We've seen people go to Imperial Academies. You know, if if you were going to be useful to the Empire, you would have done any something sure. like yeah. that. You know, yeah. we, we he's saw, trying to basically come in through the back door to say, hey, you right. know, even though I was like a nobody on the far side of the galaxy, you know, in, in just like local security, I could be extremely useful to you. Well, yeah, not really. Yeah. <laughs> Or at least they don't think so. And probably not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now we're seeing, you know, kind of the uh the Shawshank Redemption introduction to, you know, the prison, how the prison works, who who the kind of guards are, how how the guard mechanisms work, which is something that he's now mm -hmm. studying because we know that he has yeah. that mind. We know that oh, yeah. this, this is why Luthen wants him, is that he is someone who in this situation is not just responding with abject terror. He's yeah. studying. He's seeing He's their patterns. He's seeing how all this works. You know, he's not going to roll over and take it. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and and it's it again. It's a great way that they. It's a great excuse for the the show to explain the rules of the prison because they yeah. are a little. It's a it's complicated. Yeah, how it it's is. set up, and we as the audience need to understand it. But it gets to... illustrated really brilliantly through his acting yeah. because he's not saying a word. We're no. just watching his eyes and just seeing his eyes take in everything and absorb everything that's happening. Yeah. One from from how it works, especially with the guards, because particularly he's he's studying how the guards work, how their patterns work, and now he's getting introduced to how the work goes. Right, exactly. And they, just, I'm just thinking, I, I'm really appreciating how well they they fit the exposition into the, into the yeah. writing. Cause, cause it's, that's not easy to do. It's really easy to do badly. And now and, Gollum and, will explain it all to him. 
Exactly. And here we have him, Andy Serkis, king the of all. Brilliant, brilliant Andy Serkis. Yeah, the, the king of all franchises. <laughs> the, um, He's um, basically the leader of this cell block. You know, they're, they call it 52D or whatever. It's like, you know, floor five, room two, the day shift. Yeah, right. and 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 they're they're he's going to be assigned to table five. Everything's sevens. It's like seven men at seven tables. You right. know, it's all base so, seven. So there's forty nine in this room, and then there's seven rooms on each floor, and then there's seven floors. So there's like forty nine. You know, of everything, there's like seven of everything, forty nine of everything. Yeah, going back to what you were saying earlier about Andor and how he's soaking everything in. You can really see it in this scene where he's he's moving really slowly. It's almost like you're kind of screaming at him, will you just get to where you're supposed to be? But you can <laughs> tell he's taking time to, to, to absorb everything he can. Well, there is a fundamental shift, though. And like I said, it's all in his face. I mean, his, his acting here is brilliant. I mean, because initially, like in, in these early phases here, and when he's being brought in, he's studying the movements and everything. But you're going to see his face change to where... Mm -hmm. Once he once he realizes the full scope of what he's looking at, I mean, uh, uh, the full scope of what he's facing is at least six years of this mind numbing existence, yeah. you know, that is that is completely like, you know, I mean, it's what would happen to anyone who's got a spirit. But I mean, it really for him in particular, who is like roamed freely and, you know, is is smart and has helped plan heists and has been involved mm -hmm. in all these big events and just looking at literally being and we're going to see this illustrated here. You know, he's literally going to be a cog in the wheel. You know, Right. Right. And the and despondency he, uh... on his face. I mean, you'll you'll see it. I mean, just where, you know, it's it's not there yet because because the depth of it is not really dawned on him yet he hasn't fully grasped how desperate this situation is for him and how bleak his existence is going to be now right and he and also has teammates at table five <laughs> yep including um what's the character's name i had it i had it written down um including melshi who is this guy here which was just on screen a second ago melshi is also in rogue one. Oh, um, okay i'll pan back around to him in a minute so he comes back. Um, where are you at, Melshi? But anyway, he's in Rogue One. Oh, okay. And I know I, lo yeah, I looked at a previous but I can't remember where, where, the, where I know the um, But yeah, that, there he is, right there on the left. Movement. Okay. Yeah, so he, he's one of the troops in Rogue One that goes with Andor to, to Scarif at the end. Oh, interesting. So, so he's clearly got plot he armor. joined the rebellion as well. <laughs> so he's got plot armor for at least five years. Yeah, yeah, he does. Mm -hmm. But it's um, also a nice callback. Mm -hmm. It's a nice connection to the film since we're we're building to the film, but we can't really use too many of the characters from the film. Well, because there have to be stakes. I mean, we have to. There, people need to die. <laughs> Yeah, I know I looked it up when I first watched it. I can't remember what I know the older actor from, but I know I've seen him before. Are you still there? Are you frozen? Oh, I think you're frozen. Okay. <laughs> I think we lost Jefferson. That's a first.
Yeah, so we're uh, building new. You kind of just get our whole how the system works here. Um, you know, hopefully J uh, Jefferson will come back in here. Let me make sure that I can see that happen. Um, but yeah, so so they're basically they're, they're all working around this wheel and they're building whatever it is this building. I'm just going to call it a sprocket or a thingamajig. You know, we don't know what it is, and it really doesn't matter. I mean, that's kind of the point for his existence. It's it's really not important. It, 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 his existence is just building this thing now. <laughs> And now we completely switch gears to a whole nother environment. Now we are on Coruscant and we're, we're, we're literally at the Mon Mothma's embassy, the, the planet that she's from, you know, she's hosting a party at her embassy. So we have a whole different perspective, a whole different kind of world here, you know, uh, of the, of the rich stuff. Um, yeah. So, so basically, you know, it's her with her husband getting drinks, uh, Let's see, here comes Jefferson. He's back. So yeah, so, exactly. so we've now completely shift gears to the Shandrillan embassy and Mon Mothma hosting a party with her husband there and, and the uh -huh. other guy who's from their planet, the finance guy. Are you back with us? Right, the one that she's... I think so. Okay. I was. Yes, you are. I can hear you. <laughs> I seem to be having some... Yeah, no, it's okay. You froze up. You still with us? Did you freeze again? Make make sure you stop anything else you've got on your computer going, any apps or any windows, any browser windows, any anything downloading. Literally, if you just close a whole bunch of browser windows, that'll help. Yep. So we're talking about the new banking regulation. So uh, you know, a lot of stuff. She's she's trying to get him to move her money. We we covered this in a previous episode. That you know, he's from her planet. He's he's a finance guy, but I guess he also runs charities or something. And so he's trying to use her to to funnel. She she's trying to use him to funnel her personal funds into places that she can then use it for the rebellion. Right. Right. I think I'm back now. Uh, yeah, you are. Mm -hmm. And so it okay. just uh, reintroduced her daughter there. But uh, but mm -hmm. but we're now kind of saying that like since she engaged him to try to start funneling her money to the rebellion or or to places that could be used to the rebellion, uh, that's not what she's saying at this point. She's not using that word. Um, but but mm -hmm. I guess there's new banking regulations. There's now a lot of tightening, probably as a result of Aldani. I mean, that's the thing. I think, you know, th there's a lot of stuff happening now because of the heist and Aldani and the banking regulations are probably part of it. Yeah. Right. And I, if memory serves, maybe it's in this episode that, that we start to get that this is all kind of part of Lucen's design. He, he did. Yeah. Things... Towards the end of the episode, he's, he's going to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. that, that, that rebellion needs, persecution you know you basically yeah. need everyone to feel oppressed and you need to feel they, they need to feel oppressed enough to revolt <laughs> yeah exactly Com comfortable yeah. people don't 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 no, storm the do government. <laughs> yeah and that's that's why i really appreciate too that they have a plot line that shows us all of the the citizens of the galaxy that have absolutely no interest in there being a rebellion. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we see all all of uh, Mon Mothma's wealthy. So we see kind of the day shift uh, ending their ending their day here. But now he gets he gets a scope of kind of the enormity of it, but also seeing that there is some kind of hand signal communication going yep. on here between groups. But but watch his face. I mean, as he looks around and just sees how many people are in the uh -huh. same situation, how many people are doing this. 
and and you just see his face change and it's and it's like a crestfallenness it's like you literally see his spirit break just a little right. bit you know <laughs> right but at the same time i think you know he's so ruthless he's also looking at you know i i interpreted that kind of as he's looking at them those guys having the sign language conversation, he's thinking I could use that. Well, he is, but you know, like I said, similar to what we saw earlier, his brain is always working on that stuff. But I think it, I think it's the brain and heart kind of distinction there yeah. is like his brain is is working on a future potential plan always, but his heart just sank. You know? Yeah, he's thinking, yeah, how is this? How are this many people? Yeah, this controlled exactly. Yep. And we see kind of what, what polite conversation is, you know, but talking yeah. about, like you said, you know, we, we, we just assume there's this black and white going on of like the good guys and the bad guys and the rebellion and the empire, but we're not there yet. I mean, right now you've got a lot of people in the middle and the senators, I think we discussed previously, it's like, was the Senate like really caring, you know, that the empire was happening or, or were they against it the whole time? It's like, eh, no, a lot of them were just kind of going along. It's like, if, yeah. if nothing too major was happening, you know, then it's business as usual. The Senate's yeah. still voting on things because they think that that matters, you know? Right. And the, the, the wealthy people at Mon Mothma's party there so far, nothing that the emperor is doing is having a direct impact yeah. on their day-to-day -day lives. And well, so that's they most of them are senators because she's she's done this party to drum up votes for an initiative against the emperor. Right, right, which um, doesn't seem like they're going to go for. Mm -hmm. So we're at the end of his first shift, mm -hmm. which I guess they, they call it shifts, right? It's it's not days. So, yeah, so they don't even want to talk days. They don't even want to think days. Right. You know, real life, you know, needs to be abstracted so much that they count their time in shifts, you know, because that's all that matters. The only thing yeah. that matters is when do I work and when do I sleep? Yeah, it's getting getting through the shift to, to you know to end your day, you know. And from what I'm seeing, they don't even have like a a common room or anything like that where they because nope. if they're not working, they're in their cells. You know, yeah. the, you can see them kind of milling about here winding down after the work day yeah i mean this area this whole area is kind of a common area for them as long as the floor is white you know right <laughs> right and now he, the his guy showing him his cell is talking about how the the readout shows them their remaining time yep yep and but how he explained the console and he explained the the the, the carrot and the stick was that basically yeah. you got this feeding tube and you can eat as much as you want. They want you strong and healthy. You sure. know, you, you can eat as much as you want, but you're going to be working for 12 hours. Um, and it had a, so we didn't see it illustrated, but we, but the toilet was a flip down. We referred to the toilet, which is still mm -hmm. new in star Wars. Yeah, is, that a, is that a star Wars first? I wonder. Well, it's not as first, but this show overall, you know, th this show brought up toilets in a way that previous star Wars had not in terms of realism. But yeah, you know, but then he did explain to them what the system, how the system worked is that, you know, within each shift, those seven tables are, are competing against each other. The the feeding tube is basically bland. It's like just pure, basically sure. bland nutrition coming out. But if you come in first, the the food or if you come in second, the food has taste. If you come right. in first, the food tastes better. <laughs> right. Yeah, you get your, yeah, yeah, your choices are bland taste and better taste <laughs> mm -hmm. that's what you get if you win if you lose if you're if you're the table and last you get the floor the, the, the floor goes off on you and and we can intuit they they never showed us because it went straight from the shift to them standing after the shift 
But, you know, we knew that his table was behind because they were down one man until he yeah. showed up, you know. Yeah. So w- the dialogue there was basically leading us to believe that they were going to lose that shift. And so th- when the guy was showing him his room, the first thing he said to him is tough day for you getting the floor twice. You know, because right. you got the floor as the illustration of the floor. Everyone gets that on the first day. They get shown how the floor works so that, you know, you're like, if you're good, you should never have to feel this ever again. But then he's, you know, but then we can assume that that they got the fl- that his whole team got the floor, you know, because they came in last. Because they came in last. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we are back at the cocktail party. Yeah, back, back at that. Such a such a dramatic shift from like, yeah. you know, prisoners to, you know, a party in an embassy on Coruscant, you know. And the whole what's neat is the whole the whole color palette changes. Oh, yeah. You know, we go from that stark white to yeah. this. These we go from of, no color palette to have any color palette. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and but in the prison, it's all they, they give them the orange stripes on their, yeah. their costumes. Yeah. And that's very calculated. Yeah. To just make it stark. Whereas this is the lighting is softer and warmer. Yeah. I mean, the factory is right out of THX 1138. Yeah. 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 If you've never watched that for the audience, if you've never watched the film, I highly recommend it. It's a great dystopian future vision bleak you know thing that george lucas started as his first first feature yeah. film out of college like most uh science uh, what what is the deal with ages i mean we've talked about you know relative ages and stuff but i mean you know we know padme was like what princess at like 12 you know yeah and uh senator at 14 or something yeah like senator that. like 14 and then we just they just told us that you know from chandrilla the ancient ways was she and her husband were married at 15 and sure. and, they, and she was made senator at 16 so they came to mm-hmm. Coruscant. so he had he followed her because he had married her and then she was made a senator at 16 and that well, meant that they moved to Coruscant. Yeah, and what what this is is it's it's sort of uh, I like to call it sort of continuity backfill, mm-hmm. where they're taking something from the previous films and they're doing something to to make that make more sense. Because yeah, yeah. even back to Princess Leia in the original film, you know, she's yeah. they never say how old the character is meant to be, but Carrie Fisher was eighteen when they right. filmed it. Mm-hmm. And, and she's I believe a the character was supposed to be like maybe 16. So yeah, but she's more importantly, she's a senator. She's a, a government representative so, at the age so it's of 18. Not 30 days later, it's 30 shifts later. 30 shifts later. Who has now survived one one month worth of shifts? Right. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't escaped yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, because I mean he's he knows like there's no tunneling out. There's no yeah. He's got to know the the only way he's gonna get out of here is if he starts a, a prison riot. Yeah, wa- watching this, one of the things I was wondering is like, man, they gotta deal with foot fungus and stuff like that, but then no one wearing shoes. But then I guess here's they they get sterilized every day sure. is the start of their day. Sure, because anything they can't have any kind of illness coming through because that's gonna screw up their productivity. Yeah, yeah. Every everything's about making sure that the schedule keeps moving. Right, exactly. So 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 in a way, I mean, again, it's it's both impressive and horrifying, but it is interesting to see it's a prison where they have a vested interest in keeping everybody healthy, which it's most real world prisons do not have that vested interest. Um, no, there's actually a great history of prisons being used as work camps and and mm-hmm. and, and, and and it was a major plot point of uh shawshank redemption yeah <laughs> so no there is a great history of using prisoners for to, to perform work for the state <laughs> yeah we had um some stuff in in the news recently here in oregon about poor health conditions at, at one of the the local mm-hmm. prisons so yeah mm-hmm. 
And here we are building. I love, I'm not going to mention it too much, but I love it when we eventually get to see what these things are that they're Yeah, building. that's like two episodes from now. It's, it's I don't a, want to spoil it's it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great... I assume everyone who's watching this has, has watched it previously, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nevertheless, well, I like the idea that we're just, more or less, we're discussing this as if that, that we're seeing it for the first time. We're exactly. Not, we're not talking about what happens next week. Exactly. Mm -hmm. God, I gotta look up where the old guy was from. Mm -hmm. um, and Andy Circus again here, uh, yep. doing a great job of being a a company man. Yeah, you know, being the, the boss the, the who's the invested. Boss. Yeah, he's invested in the process. Yeah, and well, in prisoner terms, he's the trustee. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, we're even coming back to. Uh, to Ferrex, yeah. The Ferrex here with this yeah, guy. So everything, everything comes back in, yeah. Mm -hmm. We have so many different storylines coming here. This is, if you had to cut a trailer for this show from one episode, this would be the episode to use. <laughs> right, because it has all of our settings. A little, little bit of everything. I think we see yep. every character. Yep. And we see that Andor's friends are taking care of Marva, which is interesting, uh -huh. you know, because she was his mom, basically. But, you know, yeah. his all the people who cared about him care about her. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if we're meant to believe that, that he was doing this while he was here and they're having to step up because he's not around anymore. Right. Because mm -hmm. she wouldn't go and he couldn't stay, as, as she yeah, said. There. Right. And uh, yeah, they're going on with that. And we can kind of see, I don't know, if I think we're seeing her kind of deciding what her blaze of glory is going to be. Because she knows she needs to figure it out soon. Because she she seems to be resigned to the fact that she's not long for this world. Yeah, yeah, but but she has a sense of purpose. I mean, she yeah. she has decided. I mean, you know, one, once the attack on Ferrix happened, I mean, she made that decision that she is a rebel, and and they kind of joke about it. it's like she's a rebel. She wants right. to help the rebellion, but it's mm -hmm. like she really does. I mean, yeah, she really they're not. And their their attitude is kind of well, isn't that cute? But I don't yeah. think they're they're quite prepared for for how much conviction she has. I also don't know that they know her history. I mean, we don't fully know her history. I don't think they do. Yeah, I don't we think know they know that she, she is a pretty serious customer. I mean, you yeah. know, she's not some little old lady. I mean, she's right. she's someone who is who's who's done some stuff in her life. You know. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, yeah, and you're right. I don't think these other characters realize that. Yeah, I think they're just thinking of like you know just the sweet old lady. Although they do refer to that she was the pre past president of the Daughters of Ferrix, so she mm -hmm. she she was a, a you know a prominent personage in this town. You know, right? Okay, now and we now we're reintroduced to even more characters. Like here are the two survivors of the heist, other than Andor. <laughs> right, and we we set up last time why they're here because they were given a directive by Lucian's uh, shop assistant. Oh, okay. To tie up the loose end. They were told to oh, go. Oh, right, right, because they're worried out. about Andor because Andor has seen Luthan. Yes, and so they're there to they're there to kill him. Interesting. Um, and they this they they don't know where else to start. They don't know where he is and it's a big galaxy, so they're that's why they're here is to And and that's and that's as far as like what what Luthan's assistant knew was Ferrix was was the connection, so Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a it's a neat way to keep these two characters involved in the story because without this we would have no reason to, to come back to these two because the, the heist is over yeah so but they're interesting characters and so it's nice to 
Mm-hmm. Nice to give them a, a something to do that matters in the, in the, and the, and the other the character just kind of spoiled a little bit about Vel. We don't know that it's a spoiler yet. Cause it seemed like she was just saying something out of turn was saying, Hey, you know, she, she was saying like, who are you going to pretend to be? Well, I could pretend to be a rich girl trying to run away from her family. Mm-hmm. And Vel's like, that's, that's not funny. That's not, that's not cool. But you know, it, it's a little bit of a spoiler for some, for something we find out later. Cinta, I guess is the other character's name. Right. Yeah. Vel and Cinta. Yeah, they'll. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, this this show is kind of an embarrassment of riches. There's yeah, so, so many, many characters. interesting characters there. I can't really think of too many that that are throwaway. Yeah. And in Star Wars, that's saying something. Because Star Wars is the the home of throwaway characters. You know, Star yeah. Wars has mm-hmm. so many characters who are clearly there so that there can be an action figure. <laughs> not for any other purpose you know more so in the films than in the tv shows but but it's just just refreshing to see a star wars show that's so focused on character and story um yeah if you, had, if, you, if you had to do villains into action figures it'd be what the uh, heist lesbian two-pack i don't know right exactly yeah <laughs> and, and i think that would sell i think there's a market for that <laughs> Because yeah, my point is that that's not—they're not throwaway. They're they're really interesting characters with depth, and and you know yeah. we find out more as it goes along. You know what what the depth of their characters are. You know, yeah. and so now Bix is trying to use the system that she used previously to contact Luthan to contact her her contact. You know, uh, you know how she brought him there in the first place to come to Andor. And so she's she's trying to reach out to Andor to let him know, you know, hope, hoping that they can contact him because no one knows. Literally, no one knows where Andor is. There is there is no one who knows him. There is no one of any relevance in the galaxy. No one knows that he's sitting on this prison. You know, that he's sitting right. in this prison the entire time. Everyone's looking for him. You know, his friends are looking for him. The yeah. rebellion is looking for him. The Empire is looking for him. Everyone is looking for Cassian Andor, and he's sitting there making widgets. Yeah, yeah. and what a great, what a brilliant bit of of. I mean, I don't know if it was one writer that came up with it or if it was a room full that brainstormed yeah. it, but but given the problem, okay, our story is about how everybody is looking for this guy. Yeah. Where is he actually? Yeah. You know, how is he so effectively hiding from everyone? Right. Brilliant, <laughs> what a brilliant solution to that story problem, you know? Yep. Yeah. Is that he doesn't have to do any of the work to hide him. The Empire's hiding him, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Empire's- and it gives him... It, it gives him a different set of problems because normally like th- there have been fugitive stories, you know, a plenty. Yeah. And there's, right. there are a certain set of fairly interesting problems that come with the character being a fugitive and having to hide out and not give out his identity and all of that. And they could have done that. And that probably would have been fine, but giving him the problems of being in prison is just, it's unexpected. And it's, it's a really neat, solution to the problem of, of what do we do with these characters you know they they didn't do the obvious thing which is something else that i appreciate and from a writing standpoint yeah there was a overall creative you know producer you know running the whole show showrunner for it but this episode in particular was written by bo willimon who had created the series house of cards on on mm-hmm. uh, netflix mm-hmm. you know so he knows political intrigue he knows deep characters you know right. he, he knows um I don't know what the word I'm looking for, malevolence in government, you know, right, right. if you've watched House of Cards, you know, so many of the the amazing dramatic elements that can come into play here from from having created House of Cards, you know. Mm-hmm. And a good, 
a good writer to pull a good set of experience to pull in for a yeah. show like this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, definitely like the writers that they pulled in for this is, is a completely different category of writers, people who had not worked in, in yeah. sci-fi fantasy previously, you know, and I, and it shows in this show in that it's an amazing sci-fi fantasy show that brings in a depth of storytelling and, and drama that you normally would not get in, in this right. genre, you know, right. by, by the, by the type of writer that they brought in by bringing in writers who had not specialized in sci-fi fantasy. Mm -hmm. And it, it did nothing but make the show better. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. <laughs> And so now Luthen's off on another quest. <laughs> yep. That's, I mean, he's going to abandon that spectacular wig he's been wearing for the last... <laughs> right, yes. It's always week. nice when he... Yeah, he still has it right now. <laughs> and it is a spectacular wig. <laughs> that is something else. But yeah, he once he gets his droid to set the course for where they're going, even, like, okay, even his spaceship... Take my wig off. <laughs> yeah, even his spaceship is an interesting character. It's... Yep. It's uh, it's it's almost overwhelming, you know. It's almost mm -hmm. too much. <laughs> An embarrassment of riches. Yes, it definitely is. Yeah. So we see here, you know, everyone always has a choice. You know, <laughs> there there is a choice. So basically, as they're sleeping, the floor when the floor is red, it means that it will basically kill them. Right. So you don't want to be on the floor when it's red, and it, they give you warnings. They tell you, like, you know, thirty seconds, you know, for the floor to you know, go red. You know, so they need to be in their in their cell by that time. That's why they don't have doors on the cells. You know, they you don't need to have a door on the cell when the floor right. will kill you. But yeah. one guy and, decided he was done. <laughs> yeah, and, and not giving them doors is another. It's like not giving them shoes. It's another dehumanizing hey, absolutely thing to make them into. Because ideally, the Empire wants these guys so shell shocked that they'll just mindlessly go to work and go to sleep. Yep. Yep, and they are they are cogs in the machine. Yeah, they don't want to give them time to think about anything. Yep. And so yeah, so Bix, you know, tried to call but didn't get a response, and and uh, they ended up. Uh, Luthen's assistant told him, you know, if you're serious about this, if you're really taking this seriously, we need to cut off that relay. That's that's you know a bad thing for us to have at this yeah, point. A, and so he, she just shut, he gives her the order to go ahead and shut it down. She shuts it down. So now Bix no longer has that line of communication. Right, and it's I mean it, it's a ruthless but necessary decision because I mean what else does does she have to offer him? Right, exactly. Yeah. So and for all. Security. Yeah, yeah, for operational not... security and something like that, you did mm -hmm. just got to cut off that line of connection. Right. And he's got something he's trying to do. He's not here to make friends. Right. <laughs> so these guys are on their own now. And this gives this is all just so great because this gives us this great sort of illustration of why there needs to be a rebellion in the yeah. first place. We need to show how bad things are. And it's arguable that we don't get enough of that in the original films. We don't really sure. get enough of why are they rebelling? You know, what's so right. bad about, we just hear that the emperors disbanded the Senate, but we never yeah. saw the Senate. You know? Exactly. We don't see in any of them, really. We never see yeah. civilian life. The only time we come close is in cloud city and empire yeah. strikes back is the only time we ever see any civilians really. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and particularly in the first film, I mean, the first film is is joining the story in the middle because it's yeah. you know it was episode four, which we didn't know originally because that was added later. But mm -hmm. you know, but you know, because it's, because it's in in media res in the story, you know, it's taking place in the middle. You know, we never see what you know what what preceded the empire at that point. Right. Exactly. 
Yeah, now we're seeing that trend. Now we've not only seen what life was like before, we're now seeing the transition. That's the that's the period that's being covered here is the transition from the Republic to, to the Empire. And here comes the icing on the cake of an already overseas. I know, because they needed to throw in more you know, to get and, Saw and, Guerrero. And, and here's Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, Forrest yes. Whitaker is Saw Guerrero, who was in Clone Wars, Rebels, Rogue One. You know, they, they, right. they're really a, a, a pivotal character in the Rebellion. Not not always played by Forrest Whitaker, but mm. um, often played by Forrest Whitaker. And, and um, yeah, I mean, this is really just like the embarrassment of riches just keeps getting worse because you get this great sort of character building exchange. Where well, just and, in and, little... and it's a very important exchange because it yeah. really shows that we don't have a rebellion at this point. The, the, yeah. you know, rebels are referred to, the rebellion is referred mm -hmm. to, but there really isn't a rebellion yet. And that's what we're no, seeing. Not an organized one. Yeah, it's yeah, a bunch of different groups. There, yeah, what there is, is is a whole bunch of different factions. And that's what, you know, what Saw refers to is that, you know, well, are they this faction? There's that faction. Well, what faction are you, Luther? And I never actually mm -hmm. knew, you know, what do you believe, you know? And, right. uh, and his answer is I'm a coward, you know? Yeah. And it, um, yeah, I mean, and it, it's great because th this little exchange gives them some more exposition about where we are right now. Well, and we see what his purpose is. I mean, yeah. the whole reason he planned the heist, you know, was was to have the money to actually fund a rebellion, you know, right. and, and and now what he's trying to do is to trying to put together the pieces of the rebellion, you know, is really, you know, he by 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 being the axis, by being, you know, what Miro mm -hmm. believes to be, you know, I mean, he is really the threat that Miro believes him to be, you know, she, she's, she's really dead on. Just no one believes her yet. You know, th that there is this person out there trying to tie together these disparate factions. And that's sure. his whole purpose in seeing saw is that he has something to sell him. And he's saying, I'll give it to you for free. If you'll work with this other guy, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't want to work with him, then I'm, then I need to sell it to you. You know, his, his whole point is like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give you something you need if you will do what I want, which is work with other people is just right, work and right. play well with others. I mean, that's literally all he's trying to do is he's just trying to get him to meet with the other guy and, and try to plan something together and saying like, you know, there's this great target that he's got a plan for, but he can't accomplish it on his own. You have the missing pieces. You have the air support. Cause we saw an X wing out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we saw what's the first probably in storyline glimpse of an X wing there, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we see that Saw's got an X-Wing, you know, so he's got air forces and the other guy doesn't, but the other guy's got a plan to take out a major target on the Empire. So, so you know, Luthen's thing is like, well, if I put you two together, we can actually start getting something done is the two right. of you together are stronger than you are apart. <laughs> Another interesting thing is that Luthen as a character has kind of the opposite of plot armor because... <laughs> So here's this character, right, who is so, yeah. who is going to be, presumably, right. in the next season, so pivotal right. in the organization of the rebellion. That he has to he, die. Because yeah. if, if, he, if he didn't die, he would have to have been there in episode four. <laughs> yeah, he would have to have been in the room on Yavin yeah. 4, and he wasn't. Yeah. And so, you know, it's the same reason why everybody had to die at the end of Rogue One. Sorry, spoilers, everybody. Yeah. But that's really because funny because had... I never I never thought about that. Someone needs to coin a term for that if there really isn't already. But yeah, you're you're right that that it's characters that you know have to die at some point because yeah. if they didn't, they would have to be there later in the story. Right. We have to explain why it is they're literally not... the opposite of plot armor. Yeah. 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 Characters it, that are doomed. And I find that 
I find that a lot more interesting. I like the idea of a. I think having a character that you know is doomed it kind of adds tension. Yeah, and it makes to me it makes the story more interesting. Plot than the opposite, you know, than knowing that they're going to make it. He has a plot death sentence. Yes, exactly. He has a a doom, a destiny. Oh, here's here's Miru again. She's so devious. Well, and now she's on Ferrix, which is huge. You know, she's been given con- control of this sector specifically for this investigation. Right. And she has them capture Bix. And yeah, the character moment there is great in terms of showing who she is. Yeah. Because she had just said to her subordinate, you know, the guy that she was torturing, you know, was, was someone that Bix knew and said, you know, leave him there. I want her to see him. And then the second she walks in, I mean, literally you see her face shift and, uh-huh. and her to- her tone of voice shift to immediately say, get him out of here. You know, right. It's kind of, it's, it kind of calls back to the scene we saw a few episodes ago of Lucin. Yes. Changing yes. Gears when yeah, we see his complete change of demeanor from rebel leader to shopkeeper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We see a similar thing from her mm-hmm. that it's, it's how she can turn it on. Well, and it's what you would need if you're an ISP person, if you, you know, yeah. to, to have achieved the rank that she has and the, and the status she has in the ISP, you got to be good at interrogations. You've got to know how to manipulate people like that. Yeah. You know? And that to me, that, I mean, that's really interesting to me too, in a story about a conflict, show me how the different sides are, are the same. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's so much more interesting than showing me how they're different. You know, showing me how they're different is an easy way to explain why they're fighting, but yep. show me why they're they're Show me what they have in common and then tell me why they're still fighting. That's just so much more interesting. So our concern there was we end with the we know that Miro is about to interrogate Bix, you know, and so mm-hmm. what what's going to happen with that? How is that going to go? You know, that's that's our tease for next time. And then you know, and, and we know that what Bix what what fair what sorry too many names too many words yeah. what Miro is going to interrogate Bix about is how to find Cassian Andor. Mm-hmm. And so what do we cut to? Where is Cassian Andor? Like, you know, right. it, it was exactly what you're saying before. And what we've been talking about all episode is the whole episode is like, you know, this most wanted person in the galaxy. And the last thing is just showing him, you know, he's just working in the, in, in you know, in the factory, mm-hmm. you know, just building stuff. And then the camera pulls back. It's like, you know, that's where he is. And no yeah. one's, it's the one place. No one's going to be looking for him. The, the empire is literally, you know, hid him away and done that for him. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, they've done his work for him. And it's so it, it speaks to the Empire's arrogance too that it doesn't even occur to them. Maybe we already have him. Maybe we should yeah. check. Yeah, maybe we should check, check, our check all of our prisons first, you know? <laughs> right. It didn't even because they've they've built up, especially with what we see with um with with Miro and to a greater extent with Cyril, they've built up Andor is being this boogeyman. Yeah, exactly. There's no way he could have gotten caught. That's ridiculous. There's no way he could be caught. He's he's so brilliant. He's so devious because he eluded us. You know, Cyril for Cyril, it's like, well, he eluded me, so mm-hmm. he's got to be absolutely brilliant and cunning. You know, yeah. he must he must be hiding somewhere, and he must be so good at it. You know, he must, yeah, must it, be a it, criminal mastermind. It's the depth of irony and the, and and the depth of the quality of the writing of this show. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did want to ma- ma- mention one thing in our previous storyline in the heist, uh, Eben Moss Backrack, who, you know, played one of the uh, heist guys. And I pr- literally predicted a couple weeks ago on the show, I said, you know, future Emmy winner. Well, he did, in fact, win the Emmy. All right. <laughs> All right. He, so he, uh... he won. He won the Emmy for best supporting actor in a comedy for the bear. And we could we could discuss the fact that the bear won 
best comedy, uh, best actor in a comedy, best actress in a comedy, best supporting actor in a comedy. The Bear's a comedy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you've watched The Bear, <laughs> I have not seen it, but well, I'll definitely ask you for Emmy picks for next year. You clearly have. <laughs> yep. Yeah, basically like three shows won everything. <laughs> and all three shows totally deserved to win everything that they won. Right. Like I had not watched The Beef and I knew that I needed to. So I think I watched it like four days before the Emmys when it swept everything in, in the uh, limited series or miniseries category. Yeah, I, uh, I don't watch. I mean, I, I guess I spend a fair amount of time watching TV, but I don't watch that much new stuff. I, ah. I seem to spend a lot of time rewatching old stuff or um discovering you know being late to the party you know just watching stuff from from 10 or 15 years ago we're currently rewatching homicide the whole oh wow season that's when i never waded into yeah homicide the wire are two that i never waded into <laughs> yeah homicide um is an absolutely terrific show and we just finished season six so Almost wow. done, and then we can rewatch The Wire, which is that's next on our list. <laughs> yeah, so I don't catch that many of much of the newer stuff. So probably if I were to watch the Emmys, I would see a lot of piece people that I had never seen before. And right, yeah, and, and and shows that you don't watch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah I, I'm that way with award stuff. I mean, that's the thing. I, I the last two days, I've I've hit the movies like I've been to the theater like three times, uh -huh. seeing like movies that are all potential Oscar nominees. So. <laughs> I can remember um, for last year's. Academy Awards. Uh, my mother had decided that she was going to go. She and her sister were going to go see all of the nominees. Oh, and wow. I remember my mom calling me and asking me at one point, "So what is Dune about?" <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, "Mom, you have never asked me a more difficult question." Yes, yeah, seriously, in that is your life. What is Dune a multi-pronged, multi-layered yeah, question? How do I, I even how do I even get close to answering that? In Land. terms, that my mother will understand. <laughs> Yeah, it's about land and power. <laughs> mm -hmm. And religion. Well, kind right. of, there's all shades there. But yeah, in terms of, you know, we'll, if you wanted to boil it to its simplistic thing, it's, you know, it's it's a, it's about resources. <laughs> yep, very much so. <laughs> uh, so next time is episode nine. Nobody's listening. It literally has an exclamation point at the mm -hmm. end of the title. <laughs> Nobody's listening. <laughs> Where we continue our... 87 storylines that we have going right now with yes, uh, 3,752 characters. Mm -hmm. Including the aforementioned Andy Serkis master of all franchises. Yes. yes. <laughs> I think, I think he just, the only thing I could think of that he hasn't done yet is Star Trek. He needs to do Star Trek. And I think that'll, that'll end civilization. <laughs> yeah. He still have done it all. He's done. He's now played two characters in Star Wars, two major yeah. characters in Star yep. Wars. He's done. Uh, he's been multiple in a Batman movie, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, multiple characters in Lord of the Rings. Um, Batman, Marvel. Yep. He was Claw in, in a couple of Marvel movies. Yep. yep. He directed one of the Venom movies. Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. He was the anchor for. Yep. So yeah, I mean, Star Trek is the only major ongoing franchise I could think of that he's not not done. I'm not counting the Terminator. And any franchise is bettered by his presence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, and, and a rare case where we see his real face. <laughs> well, that takes us 58 minutes. Let's uh, wrap this up. And uh, thanks for joining me, Jefferson. Mm -hmm. And uh, for, 
For everyone else, uh, find us on Facebook at Binging the Force, uh, where you can watch this live. Um, you can also watch this uh, live on Twitch as well. Um, and then uh, you can listen to us on any podcast client by looking for Binging the Force. Uh, but most importantly, uh, watch us on YouTube. Uh, these episodes will be on YouTube within you know a couple of days. Um, you look for at Binging the Force on YouTube and like and subscribe us on there. And we'll see you next week uh, for Binging the Force. Can't wait. Thank <laughs> you.